And that's the signal that we are live. Welcome to the show this week. Uh, well, Marty, uh, it's Danny Myfer is there in uh, sunny Glenar. I'm Justin McCartney here in uh, Carrick, Fergus. And uh, we're ready for another uh, fantastic week, Marty. What's it all about this week then? Well, Justin, we have, um, we've, we do our news segment that we've started doing every week. And uh, then we are interviewing, uh, well, a guy who teaches people whiskey. That, uh, he's a, a whiskey academic, if you will. Um, I will. When we're doing the introduction to him, I read out his list of credentials and uh, you'll not feel to be impressed by this guy. I'm really looking forward to talking to him. Can he, can he teach me or is that is that an impossibility? That's probably a bit beyond him. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been at today, Justin? Uh, very little. I went for a five-mile walk. I was surprised last night when I was out that uh, there was more people down the harbour in Carrickfergus on a winter's evening than there has been in about 30 years in the summer because I think everybody's going stir-crazy here. Uh, it, it's uh, pretty, pretty far out stuff. Pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty far out. I was up at the Macromore Estate again today and uh, there was there was loads of people. They were just doing a wee uh, walk up at it and the, the, the amount of people that were there was uh, unbelievable, really, you know. Right, fantastic, fantastic. So listen, we've got a packed show tonight. We've got, uh, well, uh, Vic Cameron. I've let the cat out of the bag, if you haven't already. Uh, and we also have uh, the people from uh, River Rock on as well. We do, Justin. That's part of uh, that's part of the news, and, uh, and yeah, an interesting story. I, I like I like that we were talking to a guy during the week, and uh, yeah. So we have a packed show tonight. What's first then? Well, as always, now, Justin, we're going to do the news. Okay. <laughs> I love I love this bit. I love this bit. I do. So. On the back of Belfast Whiskey Week, which happened uh, back in August, we, there is the announcement that they're going to have a Belfast Festive Whiskey Week. So, from the 21st, 24th sorry, of December to the 1st of January, there will be various boxes available. So, it's being run, uh, again, in conjunction with the Friend at Hand in Belfast uh, by Paul O'Kean. And there are various boxes to be had from... For example, box number one, which costs £180, and it's the Irish cask strength. So you get nine miniatures of cask strength bottles. So in it is the brand new Bush 1995, which you and I both sampled. The Bush 2005, which we sampled. Lovely. The red breast 12-year-old cask strength, B1-12. Red breast 30-year-old cask strength. Dunville's 20-year-old cask strength. Blue Spot, more on that during the week probably, a Cask Strength Middleton, a Killowan Oatmeal Stout, Cask Strength obviously from our friends down at Killowan, and the Connemara Perf Moor, all Cask Strength. Now there's one which is a really special box, it's the Old and Rare Scots and Irish. Uh, that has a teeling 30 year old, no no, don't be putting that one up. Alright. No, that's not him. Teeling 30-year-old, we then have the Bushmills 1995 cast strength, the Method and Madness single pot still 28-year-old cast strength, red breast 30-year-old cast strength, green spot 26-year-old cast strength, Bowmore 26-year-old, Glendronach 26, cast strength, 
Springbank 17 year old from 1975 and long 43 year old from 1968 cast these these old ones seem to be flavor of the month this while back well this is probably the only chance that anyone will get to taste these for a reasonable amount of money and what i mean by that is this box is is a few hundred quid but to try and buy these bottles I mean, they're just prohibitively expensive. I mean, they're going to be big money. So, really, this is for some of these. This is really the only chance that you will get to uh, purchase these. Now, to find out details about it, you can go to the Belfast Whiskey Week Facebook page, and the details are in below that. Um, we'll try and maybe get a catch up with Paul at some point during the week, or maybe next week you can get brought in. But uh, Something to look forward to, and if anyone's wanting Christmas gifts, there's a good idea for you. Yeah, so that's a fabulous idea for a Christmas gift, definitely is. Yeah, yeah, so it's a good idea, and we wish them all the success in the world as usual. Now, uh, what's next then? Next is Proper 12 and Mr. Connor McGregor. Yeah, <laughs> uh, now most people, most people will know. I'm not a huge fan of this. I love but, him. I love him. I love him. Don't hit me. Don't hit me. I love him. <laughs> don't hit me. Don't hit me. Right. But this week, um, Conor McGregor and Proper 12 donated another $100,000 to the Tunnel for Towers Foundation. Okay. Proper 12, every time there's a case of Proper 12 sold, Five dollars goes to charity, and up to a million pounds, up to a million dollars every year. Uh, so this week, the total has reached one point two million dollars that's been donated. Now the Tunnel Towers Foundation honours the sacrifice of firefighter Stephen Siller, who laid down his life to save others on September eleventh, two thousand one. Uh, it's a first responder charity, so basically for the emergency front line. Uh, people, so ambulance workers, fire brigade, that kind of thing. Uh, this payment goes to their COVID-19 Heroes Fund. Now, I've said that I'm not a fan of this, I'm not a fan of that, but credit where it's due. Um, the fact that $1.2 million has been donated to this charity. Uh, there's other stuff that goes along. If anyone wants to go and check it out, it's Tunnel to Towers. They have a Facebook page, they have a website, etc., etc. So, round of applause. Well done, Mr. McGregor. You know? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's good. That is good. Now, you and I both being tour guides, Justin. What's a tour guide? What's a uh, tourist? What's a tourist? It, it was, wait, do you remember way back when people used to go different places and see around them? Well, down in County Kerry, the Port McGee Whiskey Distillery, Micro Distillery, has been gun construction of their distillery and visitor experience on Barrack Hill. Now, the design company Catapult have come in on this. And Catapult are responsible for such attractions as Teo Park, which if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's like an Irish theme park based around packets of crisps. Yeah, but the biggest wooden roller coaster, I think, in Europe, or maybe the world it is. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. But they've also done Sea Life in London, uh, 
Legoland. And they say, they, they claim, that they put 50 million visitors through 81 theme parks that they have designed. Now, they've, working with the Port McGee Distillery, uh, down in County Kerry, as I said, uh, the development will comprise of geodomes, and one of them will have a cinema dome to tell the story of traditional boats and smuggling, uh, including the story of the 18th century pirate Theobald McGee. Uh, that's where the village gets its name, Port McGee. Uh-huh. Uh, now, around the centre, they're going to plant 5,000 native Irish trees as well. So John Murphy of Port McGee, Whiskey Distillery Director, says doing right, doing things right from the start was very important to us in planning this sustainability and environmental considerations have been at the heart of every decision made. Solar generated energy, collect and reuse rainwater, energy efficient systems. 550 oak trees will be planted in the grounds uh, to offset the, the casks that they're going to be filling. Uh, it's been supported by Folks Ireland. Now, Catapult Chief Executive, Chief, Chief Creative Officer Phil Higgins says, we're really excited to have started work on this new attraction for Port McGee, the combination of the high-tech experience and fascinating stories uh, that we are building into the narrative will make this a must-visit destination. Uh, I think this is quite exciting. It's certainly, just- certainly is. I mean, because there's a, a you know, Guides being laid off at some distilleries and other distilleries sort of relocating and we're always worried about this, but this is very positive for the future. It is. And the fact that Port McGee are, are a micro distillery, you know, they're not going to be pumping out, you know, millions of gallons every year. What they're going to be doing is focusing on the, the visitor attraction, possibly a little bit more than maybe the, the massive whiskey production. Obviously, they're going to want to be making really good whiskey, but it's that nice combination and bringing in i mean a big player to do that is is really going to be something else you know and i'm really i'm really quite excited about that if i'm honest good 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 now uh time's pushing on we've, we've two guests this week uh what's next then well we have um the hinge distillery and they just get on a few slides that's the port mcgee thing that's still port mcgee Yep, yeah, that's the Hinch one. There we go. This week, the Hinch Distillery christened their stills. Uh, so this is Mr. Terry Cross, uh, who's the owner, founder, and the head distiller is Aaron Flaherty, uh, who formerly worked up in Bush Mills. So this week saw their distillery get their first 210 casts from Maker's Mark. So this is a £15 million development just down outside Balna Hinch. It's impressive. We've been past it. We've been past it. I was in round it in January, February time uh, with a guy, Andrew Neil, uh, just, just to see him around it. And it's it's a big operation. It's a, I think, I see the next guy in the picture. Is that him there? No, no, uh, that's some other fella. The, the distiller. Uh, so £15 million development is going to have a coffee shop, a public restaurant, a pub, a shop. Uh, they'll be doing their own bottling line. They'll have their own storage, their offices, uh, and they can accommodate 100,000 visitors a year. So again, more good news. Superb. Yeah. Now we'll go on to our last story, which is the the uh, River Rock story. So River Rock, 
Now, this is three former directors of Edrington, which, if anyone doesn't know who Edrington are, or, well, it's named in the, in the interview, they've set up their own uh, single malt whiskey, uh, as you can see, River Rock. Uh, so Laura Anderson, Bill Farrar, and Mark Geary, who we, Geary, who we talked to, have launched a whiskey to leave as little environmental impact as possible. So we did a little interview with Mark during the week. So if you want to load that on, my friend. We will do it. Here we go. Yes, he was quite interesting. He is very, very, very good at what he does. And it's uh, fantastic to have uh, a chance to talk. Marty, who on earth is this guy? Everything that's been done in whiskey's already been done. What on earth is this guy trying to do? Justin, Justin. The world of whiskey is infinite and eternal. You know, it lasts forever. The product lasts forever. But here's a man who has decided to use stuff that maybe doesn't last forever. He's trying to move away from this, um, the plastic and the waste. And you know the way we always try and highlight some of the environmental stuff that we that is going on? Well, this guy and his two partners have left one of the biggest whiskey firms in in the world to really set up by themselves. And uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Nice to be here. Um, well, I think someone to answer your question. I think someone once said, "Well, back in the eighteen hundreds, everything had been invented, had already been invented." Yep. And we're here just to prove that you know we're not completely reinventing whiskey because we absolutely love whiskey. We've worked in whiskey for ages, but you know what? Things change. Yes. And the world changes and there's an opportunity to do things in a slightly different way and we think more sustainably is, is one of the key things and yes. it doesn't get away from you need a brilliant brilliant whiskey inside the bottle but let's just think a bit, a bit more broadly about our impact on on the world and then we can enjoy our drink even more is the idea yeah make, so should I, should I tell you what we're doing a wee bit different to other people please do right best way of demonstrating uh, I don't know if you can see this, is, here you go, here's two bottles. Now, no labels, no whiskey, and apologies, but it shows you some of the difference, right? So what we do is we have a rule that we want to have as minimal impact as possible on the great outdoors that we love whilst loving a great whiskey. So what most people do is they say, well, we're only going to take one colour of glass. And that means they've got to control it, they've got to get the glass that right colour, and they've got to really use all that glass. What we say is actually, you see when you're changing from a green to a clear bottle, we'll take that glass you don't normally don't use, and we can't control it, but instead of being thrown away, we'll use it. So you might get a bottle of our whiskey in this colour, in this colour, in this colour, but it'll always be the same great whiskey, I'm juggling bottles here, there it is, inside the, inside the bottle, so you, can, so you can enjoy it. But you're also doing slightly less damage and using yeah. less energy in the environment. And again, just little things like we don't use plastic, we use completely biodegradable uh, viscose on the, on the heat shrink thing. Just little things like that. We don't use lots of fancy foils and lots of colored printing. We keep it nice and simple. And again, it just means that whilst you're drinking a great whiskey, you're having a slightly less impact on the world. And for every bottle that people buy and enjoy, we'll plant a tree up on Shehalian, which is, again, those who know Scotland, it's a pretty famous Munro up in Scotland. And what they're doing through the John Muir Trust is just putting some of the native trees back round there to recreate the habitat for the creatures which we naturally have up in yeah. Scotland. 
So sorry, a bit of a long explanation, but that's that's what the essence of what we're trying to do. Is this to appeal to the American market in California? <laughs> well, hopefully, because there's lots of them. But but no, it's to appeal to. To be honest, we we set out. We said we're setting up a new company. Let's do it the way we want and with the things we believe in. So absolutely, the most important thing is a great whiskey in a cider bottle. But let's just think slightly bigger than that, because everyone else, if you want a standard whiskey, there's already tons of great whiskies doing that. So why not do something different? And there's lots of people in Scotland, in England, in Ireland, and in America who, you know, just have a little bit of consideration for these things when they're choosing a brand. And it could be just a little bit different to the ones that their parents or grandparents are drinking. I, I personally think the, the environmental problems of the world can really only be fixed by companies. No matter what, what governments say, the actual practicalities has to be done by business. And the more this is highlighted that people are doing this kind of thing, doing it responsibly, putting something back. I mean, for every tree that's planted, uh, well over a ton of CO2 sucked in by a tree, you're making the you're making the place more beautiful. You're cleaning the environment. What's not to like? You know. Well, yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I mean, we at the end, that's exactly what we're trying to do. You know, without getting very lofty and worthy, we want to hand it on to future generations in a better shape than we've got it now. So, and I'm with you. It, it's incumbent on all of us to to see what we can do. So, if we're setting up a business, we want to make sure we make that contribution. And we look at three things: the way the, the materials we use. Are they as sustainable as we can make them? And we're not 100% there, but we're always trying to get better. So Absolutely. Can we make it easy for people to recycle and ideally reuse the stuff that they've got, get working on that? And third, can we make a positive contribution? And we're doing that through our, for every bottle you buy, we'll plant a tree, and it's a native tree rather than just, you know, a tax scheme, we'll put any old tree anywhere. So we're working with people who can trust and know what they're doing. Yeah. No. Right. Your background and your, your two partners, you worked for Edrington? Yeah, I worked for Edrington. Apologies, the sun's come out in uh, in Scotland. It doesn't, doesn't happen very often, so I'm back. It's like when I started talking about the environment, the sun shone down on my face. It's a sign, it's a sign. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. We worked, um, we worked for Edrington for many years, and a great company, and I got some great whiskies, and you know, that's where we really got to learn about single malt and and what we like and what we don't like but also you know there's what we're trying to do is not deny that there's some great single malts out there it's just welcome more people in to enjoy what we think is a great spirit and the world doesn't need with all due respect another whiskey exactly the same as every other whiskey so what we're, what we're trying to do is just you know without being trite just welcome more people in and talk about stuff that is important to people and give them we think a, a great single malt is a bit sweeter than maybe some of the other ones, which just allows people to enter and access it more easily. For anyone who doesn't know what Edrington is, it's oh. McCallum, Grouse, and all that right. kind of stuff. So, I mean, these are these are big brands. And for you to, I mean, to make a leap into doing your own independent bottlings, um, I, I wholeheartedly concur with this. Uh, you have a philosophy wonky. Um, uh <laughs> yeah, the, the whole wonky thing, um, partly but just the glass. This is the glass that no one else wants. It's what we call the wonky glass. It's a glass that normally goes to waste, and the, the glass manufacturer thinking, what do I do with this? So we thought, you know what? Love that wonkiness. Love the difference. And, yeah. and equally, you know, we also, I think, 
I've heard enough people saying, well, you've got to drink whiskey like this, or you've got to drink whiskey like this. And we're saying, well, no, listen, everyone's individual. You're as individual as this bottle. If you yeah. enjoy a whiskey with some water, grand. If you enjoy having it on the rocks, if it's straight with a twist, with a, uh, you know, the most important thing is you enjoy a great spirit and a great drink. Yeah. So I reckon, I always say that if someone starts telling you how you should drink it, it shows more about their need to conform rather than does your appreciation of a great whiskey. So, you know, we're, yeah. just trying to, we're just trying to help people enjoy a great spirit and do it in a slightly different way, which hopefully is more welcoming. So every bottle is individual. Aye. Every single bottle is individual. Um, you have limited uh, labelling. You know, it's very minimal uh, the impact. You've partnered up with some other groups, other companies. Yeah, yeah, we have. It's a good spot. It's... Um, I mean, they're small, independent companies. Uh, they're guys like us who are trying to make a brand in certain areas. It might be cycling, it might be clothing, it might be coffee. There's another company doing uh, outdoor adventuring. And we, we kind of describe it, and it sounds a bit dry, but you know, it's good people doing good things. You yeah. Know, back to the point, Marty, um, you, we've got to get the idea of sustainability and just a kind of broader social responsibility at the heart of businesses. And these are companies who do that, and we're working with them. You know, we... We took them, we got together, we know some of them from the past, and we got together and went out and did a bit of co-steering, and went back to the beach, had a, a tasting, it was a kind of first official tasting of, of River Rock, sitting around on the beach after doing, and again, it was just kind of sharing stories with friends in a, in a great setting, enjoying a great whiskey. Um, and, it, and it's that kind of common values. You know, you're working with people because you, you want to work, and actually, the people who they talk to, might like to talk to us or might like to talk to somebody else in that little group because we're all sharing those same values. How many Monroes have you got left to do? Because that's where you're <laughs> heading this weekend. That's why you can't join us. That's what I want to know. It, but no, lots. We're taking a... I'm not really one who ticks them all off. I like going out in the hills and love enjoying the outdoors. But we've uh, I've three youngish lads who have got far too much energy for me. So dragging them up a hill early on a Saturday morning, hopefully keeps them quiet for Saturday afternoon. So we're <laughs> We're up to Ben Vorlich, which is just on the side of Loch Earn, and uh, staying overnight up there in a, in a tent on Friday night, and then up on the hill on Saturday, and, and back home for some warmth on Sunday night. <laughs> sounds sounds fantastic, Marty. Have you have you interrogated Mark enough about this? I think so. I just have to warn. At least in November, the midges will be back in the back. You'll not get ate by midges. Maybe not as much. anyway. No, they'll be uh, they'll be far too cold and frozen. A bit like we probably will be on the hill. So. <laughs> Well, Mark, enjoy the sunshine and uh, keep up the good work. And hopefully, we'll catch you. Good to chat, guys. Thanks very much. Catch you later. My, there you go, Marty. What was that like? Uh, a lot of positive comments coming from as far afield as America. There, fantastic idea, River Rockets is there. Absolutely. Um, I keep saying this, Justin. To fix the environmental problems of the world, it's only business can do this. Governments can. Do, do stuff, but whenever businesses do this kind of program, this kind of project, that's 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 how the environmental problems will be solved. Now, Justin, what do we have? We have a competition, Justin. Do we? Yes, because after we come off, Mark said he's going to send out 20 samples <laughs> to, to people who, um, who watch the show. So, what we'll do is we will uh, run another little competition and we'll get uh, get addresses, names and addresses, and we'll send out the samples. Because uh, he, he stands by the whiskey, he stands by the message, and 
we'll do a, a live tasting some evening and uh, that'll be that. Excellent stuff. Now we have another uh, whiskey guru waiting in the wings. Uh, mm. He's about to join us live now. Uh, here he is. Uh, he, you can hear us loud and clear, can you, Vic? Good, good, good that you can hear us now. Uh, tell me this. Uh, Marty, Marty hasn't read what you've told me, have you? Did you read what uh, he messages there? Did you, Marty? No? Uh, no, Justin, I don't have this capacity. Yeah, this uh, is... you, 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 you maybe do. So, I I mean, listen, this this is big news. Vic, you are actually going to Hinch uh, next uh, week to help commissioner. Yes, I'm, uh, one of my colleagues on the team from Scotland is over at the moment, um, helping out with the mashing, milling, fermentation, and um, hopefully uh, I'm going to read the Scottish Government regulations about travelling, so um, hopefully I might be in Northern Ireland. Um, week commencing the 16th. Excellent. And um, looking at the stills, cut points and quality coming off, and um, doing some sensory analysis on the new make spirit. So really excited. I've got a wee bottle of Hinch here on my shelf. So, um, in your honour, I'm going to crack, have one. I think I'll have one. <laughs> Good. I haven't <laughs> cracked mine open yet. But yeah, yeah. it's great. I um, had the chance to work with Aaron when he worked for Diageo as well. So I got to know Aaron really well. And then when Aaron became head distiller, um, he was looking for some help, and he got a couple of us old guys that he worked with in Scotland to uh, <laughs> come and give him a hand. So I'm really excited about that, really looking forward to it. I've been involved in some of the project meetings in the run-up to this, and but and been on site just the once. But looking forward to getting back on site again and doing some distilling. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Now, I'm going to read an introduction Vic, just uh, I hope he doesn't mind. I got most of some of this off his LinkedIn page, and some of it I know myself. So, Vic has well over 20 years in the whiskey industry. He has been a malting operations manager, a distilling operations manager. He's managed a lab for quality analysis in distilling and malting. He has represented Diageo. Now, just to give you an idea, Diageo is Johnny Walker, Black and White, Kalila, Talisker, Lagavulin, Dalwini, Glenelgan. Blah, 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 blah. I can go on. So he's represented Diageo on various forums, including the Institute of Brewing and Distilling. He's a lecturer at the Edinburgh Whiskey Academy. He's a technical admin for the UK Grain Testing Network. He owns VC Services, which provides expert advice, training, and consultancy to the barley, malting, and distillers in the distilling industry in the UK, Europe, and the Far East. He's working on a project to bring a mothball distillery back to life. We'll find out more about that later, hopefully. He's also a pastor in the Moray Grace Fellowship. That's right. And he, how I was first introduced to him is he lectures at the University of Highlands and Islands. And there's his signature. He's the lecturer. Oh, so That's my signature. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can, can, I, can I write a check then? Can I write a check? Can I copy that and write a check? No? I have to put my finger over it. put my finger over it? No. So this is my course, and I did the course in the university, uh, a whiskey course from the UHA, and Vic was the lecturer and could not have been more helpful or nicer. He, he wrote a lovely email at the end of it, and I said that there was a few things that I 
didn't really know that much about, and he sent me uh, email, basically emailed me a couple of books, um, and I thank you very much. I much appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I can't remember that, Marty, but that's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a few years ago. It, yeah, that makes, that makes me sound so good. I would employ me. It, uh, uh, yeah, I, I would employ you. So well done, well done, the Hench team, for, for hooking up with you. So it's uh, it's fabulous to have you on the show. I'm really pleased. Um, so first question I have to ask, what does a man like yourself drink of an evening? When you sit down and open up, decide to have a a, 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 a dram of something, mm -hmm. what, what's your go-to? Oh, I mean that's really difficult, Marty. Because you know, if you look behind me, you can see I've got um, I've got quite a few bottles and quite a few samples. So um, I, I do have some favourites. Um, I I like my local distilleries around about my house, so I'm a great Ben Romick fan. Okay. Um, a great Glen Murray fan. Yep. Uh, Tom Dew is starting to become a real favourite of mine. But I like Talisker. I like Kalila. Um, I, I I have to say I'm pretty biased towards Scotch. But I, thought, I have some Japanese. Have some we're Australian. having trouble with the transmission tonight now. We're having trouble with the transmission tonight. We aren't really, but I'm just saying that. Because well, <laughs> I'm going to be talking Scots, Justin. <laughs> no, I, 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 listen, uh, Maury knows if it's alcohol, I like it. Pretty much. As look, uh, Justin's, Justin's a big cocktail fan. If it's <laughs> sparklers and a bit of Del Boy about it. Justin's well, it. Well, each to their own, as long as, you, are you, as long as you drink Scotch, but probably you'll be drinking Irish. But um, mm. I've, I have a... I have an uncle, uh, uncle-in-law, as it were, uh, from Ireland, from Cork, and he's um, he's a great man for his whiskey. But he loves to remind me every time I see him that the first recorded distillation of whiskey was in Ireland, yes, and not in Scotland. A good 40, 50 years, crazy uh, documented evidence. So he loves to tell me that. But I always counter him and say, we can make it right after two distillations. We don't normally need three. <laughs> well, so, uh, which is not always the case now. But um, no, so I've um, been forced to drink a few Irish whiskies sometimes, guys, when I go and visit my uncle. Um, Green Spot is his tipple. So that's really quite nice. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, um, I'm going to be um, saying Hinch will be a good whiskey <laughs> yeah. once I'm distilling it. So, yeah, but it's, yeah, normally Scotch Marty. I do like a bit of peat sometimes, Khalil or Talisker. But if I like peat, I like to go to the islands. Um, if I'm wanting a mainland, generally non peated. Um, but Tam Du is rapidly becoming one of my favorite drums at the moment so that's what i'm drinking just now i'm um, trying to finish my time do 10 so i can move on to my time do 12 that i just bought so uh, that's what i'm enjoying tonight Good. but lots of different stuff yeah well this is the joy of it there, there's so much range i always say to people you know you'll, you'll always get the people oh, i can't drink whiskey i can't drink whiskey yeah. 
there's such a range. There's everything from basically something really, really light, like a Glenmorangie or something like that, to all the way through to your, you know, your Laphroaigs. There's such a range of flavours and tastes and, and how people interact with them. But uh, yeah. I, I, the new Irish distilleries coming along, a lot of them, um, I know for a fact, a lot of them are double distilling as well. So th- this regionality is probably even more going to get blurred over the next yeah. next while, I think. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's, it's a bit like in Scotland. You know, we still talk about the regions. Yeah. But really... You know, there's not really something that makes a Highland distinct from a Speyside distinct from a Lowland anymore. Yeah. And the the old sort of tradition, Scotch double distilled, Irish triple distilled, is is moving away as well. I mean, we have people on in Scotland doing triple distillation. Ben Romack's a great example. They've got a great expression out triple distilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, I know there are Irish distillers doing double. So that kind of differentiation is um is moving away. But no, there's lots of people all across the world making great whiskey. There are. And one of the things I think our industry needs to get away with is this snobbery about scotch. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, and appreciate that there's lots of other people making really good whiskey, and we need to stay at the top of our game to keep scotch as, as one of the go-tos. Are you so, talking about the English, Vic? Are you talking about the English there, are you? Uh, no, I've got to make an exception there, Justin. I mean, <laughs> that, should, that should be against the law, shouldn't it? <laughs> Stick to gin. <laughs> no, no, to be honest, I've uh, tasted something from the Cotswold, tasted something from New Yorkshire, and these guys are making good whiskey as well. Sure. So, yeah, I think it, it, it all helps the industry if there's lots and lots of different. One of my favourite whiskies at the moment is one of the Macmiras from Sweden. I, so, I, have, I have a couple of those, and they are good. They are good. Um, there's lots of people making good. And, and one of my favourites at the moment is Star Wars Solera from Melbourne in Australia. So, I've seen this. I haven't, I've never actually got my hands on a bottle of it. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I think, in some ways, Scotch has... The Scotch sort of uh, parameters for what they can make is really, in some ways, going to be a bit restrictive for them because you have really the Wild West in England and certainly in the US, where I mean, at the minute, I think I think there's about sixteen hundred whiskey distilleries now opened in the in the US, and they're not really confined to the, the you know the limit that the Scotch is defined to. So, so yeah. I think. I think Scotland needs to needs to just keep doing Yeah, it. absolutely. It needs to keep making that top quality spirit, using top quality woods. And yes, there are people in our industry in Scotland who kind of think the Scotch whisky regulations are a bit constrictive and um, hampering innovation. You know, there's a few, you know, your brew dogs and, and people like that. I'm yeah. a great fan of the Scotch whisky regulation. I think it's going to help keep our industry alive, keep it at the top of the game. Keep a lot of jobs in Scotland, you know, with the sure. regulations that single malt's got to be bottled here now, and things like that. So it's it's kept our industry to have some of its unique selling points, which I think we should keep. Yeah. Um, and I think there's plenty that we can do um, with different types of production. Uh, maybe uh, new yeasts. There's there's work to be done there. 
and the way we distill, and, and of course, um, the wood that we use uh, can can help us to be. Right, you just see how many different expressions there are out there at, at now. You know, thousands of them from 130 distilleries. There's so much we can do. But, you know, some people don't like the constriction of the Scotch whiskey regulations. I'm a fan. Yeah. It's interesting you said yeasts there uh, because I think some people might not just appreciate this, that the pretty much all distilling's done with, with one with brewer's yeasts. Um, now, what difference do you think um, using different yeasts brings into it? Um, well, well, for the vast majority of the industry at the moment, we're using yeast from three suppliers. And it's pure culture, distiller's yeast being bred for that. Yeah. As far as I'm aware now, there's only one distillery in Scotland that throws in a little bit of brewer's yeast, and that's Ben Romach. But I, I could be wrong. Yeah. So the majority of the industry is using the same type of yeast, same strain and genus, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, and just different versions of that. Yeah. But there are people doing uh, trials with different yeast strains, different types of yeast. I mean, Glenmorangie released one last year, I believe, with a different type of yeast that Bill Lumsden had uh, cultured. Um, and the yeast is important because different types of yeast has different types of metabolism going on, which will lead to different types of esters, different types of acids being released during fermentation. And that can lead to different aromas and different flavours in the wash and then in the distilled spirit and then into the final whisky. Yeah. So, so fermentation can have a huge impact on the character of your new make spirit. And one of the biggest factors I think that we haven't really um, pushed the boundaries of in Scotland is on yeast variety. You know, some of the bourbon producers do, they, they want their own yeast and um, and that's great, but it's not something that we've done in Scotland, but it's something that people are investigating, researching, and, and Glen Morangy have, have released that product. So it will come. Yeah, that work is being done. Yeah. I, I think for me, fermentation is probably the most important part of all spirit production because really everything that you get in your new mech spirit happens during that. The distilling really just refines what comes out of the and basically into the barrel. Um, and for the yeasts, the, using different yeasts, you're going to get a totally different character to start with. And, and as you age it, then I think there's a lot more room to do that. And I know there's companies basically set up now just doing yeast um, experimentation. Mm. Now, yeah. I, I funny, I bought a rum last week, um, which I've been meaning to buy this for a long time, but Dunderhead Rum, which is, made, right. which is made using uh, Dunder Pit, uh, which uh, anyone, who, <laughs> anyone who doesn't know but that is, it's basically the, the, the waste goes through into a pit and uh, the bacteria and wild yeasts go into it and then it's added into the mash to then produce this really estuary, uh, fruity rum at the end. And it's a bit like a sour mash where they take a little bit and do that. But 
it's kind of to the max and it, it's actually quite good. I'm not a massive fan of rum. I find it, it's a bit like bourbon. I find it a little right. too sweet for me. Uh, I prefer sort of, I don't have a huge sweet tooth, mm. but all of this new experimentation and the, the sort of science behind all of this is really, is really exciting. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but a lot of, a lot of distilleries in Scotland at the moment, Marty, are actually utilising um, wild yeasts and bacteria in their fermentation because they're managing their hygiene levels to not completely clean out the washbacks and then using time, you know, if you can ferment for 50 hours, that's you really finished. But if yeah. you ferment for much longer, you get wild yeast, you get bacteria, coming in and you get a late lactic fermentation, you get acids in there and then the acids react with the alcohol to give you the esters and you get fruity, floral, uh, tropical yeah. fruit kind of things if, if you, and sweet if you just ferment longer. That's wild yeast and that's bacteria. Yeah. So, you know, people are not saying, you know, we're using bacteria, we're using wild yeast, but it's actually part of the process at the moment if you have that long fermentation. Yeah. And it gives you that different wash, which you can then refine in your stills. Yeah. Yeah. As, as it becomes a bit more scientific, and there's so much, there's so much about the whole whiskey journey, if you like, from from the, the all the the very simple ingredients until it gets to your bottle. That's really not well understood. I think people have this idea that. Everything that happens is, is meticulously managed, around. but it's not. I mean, you obviously know an awful lot more about it myself, but one cask of whiskey sitting in one place might be one degree warmer cooler than one sitting somewhere else, and they end up after you know a period of years having a totally different flavour. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an easy process to make Scotch whiskey of three ingredients. Stick it in a barrel, stick it in a warehouse, and then you have Scotch whiskey. Yeah. But you can you can run your distillery, and, and people try and run their distilleries consistently to get the same new make spirit character. Yeah. And you can run your distillery exactly the same all week, or you think it's exactly the same all week, and get a slightly different character. You can take that same new make spirit and put it into casks that you think are the same and put it into the same warehouse and you can get different whiskies. At the end of it, I'm, I'm involved in a project at the moment where I'm sampling out of a warehouse, and you think, oh, no, it's taken on the, it was distilled on the same day, it's in the same type of cask. You get a different whiskey after six, eight, ten years. Yeah. Now, we do know the science, and we're starting to learn more, but there are things in the distillery that we still just don't know what's going on there. And there's that little bit of magic. I mean, I'm, I'm a, what you didn't see is I, I went to university, I got a degree in mathematics, I was going to be a maths teacher. So I'm kind of scientific, logical, that kind of thing. And I love that science that you can do in a distillery. But I also love taking new make spirit, putting in a cask, and then, well, let's just wait and see what it is in 10 years. You know, we've got a, kind of an idea because we know the new make spirit we're starting with. We know if we're putting it in an ex-bourbon or an ex-sherry. We know if it's European oak. We know if it's American oak. So we can kind of anticipate what kind of whiskey we're going to get at the end of it. 
but you, you can't make an exact judgment. You just got to wait and sample it. And you know what? See what you get. Yep. So it's fascinating. It's Great industry I, to be in. I love, I love the sort of mix between, I always, oh, the way I sort of have it in my head is you have the distiller who's the scientist, you know, everything trying to get all the different parameters and the, and the, the variation nailed down. So everything's scientific. And then the blender, who's really the artist, who has to, has to take all these different colours or shades, if you like, and try and make product. And it's that wonderful blend between the two that, that makes whiskey. And, and it, it's a fabulous, fascinating, mm-hmm. fascinating. There's always something that you're learning all the time, you know. Um, you always learn. I mean, I, I'm very fortunate now, and I'm running my own business, so I can do different projects that I really enjoy. And I'm involved in two or three projects at the moment in actually taking samples uh, out of casks, uh, rum actually in one project that's been matured in whiskey casks, and taking those casks and, and blending different types and seeing what you can come up with. So that is so that is so exciting, taking the final products to make an expression. And, and that's fascinating to do, yeah. to try and produce that final bottle. Um, from I, what you've got in your warehouse, but you've got to get it in your warehouse to start with. So you've got to make good spirits, yeah. Put it into good casks, put it in a, a range of casks, and then see what you've got to play with. But you can't make an expression if you don't have it in your warehouse to start with. Vic, are you doing that to try and see what's going to be big next in the next five, ten, fifteen years? Um, sorry, Justin, say that again. What's going to be big next? I mean, is there experimentation going on now at the minute uh, to try and come up with something new, something innovative that hasn't been done before? Or, 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 or is it being held back by, by the regulations? Because you sort of, you're, in, you're, you're between the devil and a hard place here, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- there are people doing innovative things. Um, Dare I say, younger distillers, you know, the brew dogs and people yep. like that. Um, but they are constrained within the Scotch whiskey regulations. But what's going to be the next big thing? Well, I'm, I'm hoping it's rum because I'm I'm working with a, with with one lad who's buying rum and maturing it here in Scotland in different whiskey casks. So I'm kind of hoping that's going to be the next big thing. I like rum. I like the sound of that. You can't get my camera um, anymore. I haven't got a great track record of predicting things because um, in the Edinburgh Whiskey Academy three years ago, I was asked a question and I stood up and I said, Diageo will never open Brora on Port Ellen again. <laughs> so I've not got a great track record in that. What's the next big thing? Who, who can tell? Morty, we've got some questions here. Somebody's asked, and, and, and somebody else has asked that they've read their mind. It's all the way from Canada. A guy from uh, called Jordy Burke uh, from Prince Edward Island has asked, has Vic ever met Richard Patterson of the Dalmore? Oh, who hasn't met Richard Patterson? <laughs> I mean, the guy's, the guy's a character. Yeah. I, um, he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a showman, isn't he? And... Um, uh, uh, the first time I met him was in a warehouse up at uh, Tamanavulan. I was taking a tour up there on the as part of the Speyside Whiskey Festival, and we went up there. and Richard Patterson 
was doing a nosing and tasting in the warehouse. I was actually in the filling store. There's the man. <laughs> in the filling store at Tamnavulan. So he did the whole, you know, pouring the whiskey into the glass and then throwing the whiskey away to yeah. coat the glass like he does. And yeah. then chewing the whiskey, you know, one, what does he say, one second for every year old the whiskey is. I mean, come on, I mean, I'm in I'm in my thirtieth year in the industry, and I think I know a thing or two. This guy's been in the industry for fifty years. Now you you don't you don't get to his stage of his career fifty years without getting caught out. You know, he obviously knows his stuff. He does, and he's in demand as well. So, no, he's a he's a great guy, a great showman for the industry. I put it like this, his, his, bio, his biography, uh, his name's in the front of it, so I'm not sure whether I can say it's an autobiography or not, but it's actually a really, really good book. Um, really insightful bits and pieces about the, the, the whiskey industry, Scotch whiskey industry, obviously, in particular. But yeah. just the whole journey of him first starting all the way through, and as you say, he's over 50 years experience, so... And he's, he's very much associated with the Dalmore. Um, and, and I've got a bit of history with that because my great-great-grandfather was a stillman at Dalmore. Okay. So my, my dad's family's from from up that way and just south of uh, Allness in the Black Isle. So um, I had family who worked in the, Dal, in the Dalmore distillery. So i uh, got a wee bit of history there. Yeah. Amazing. It's a, it's a very small world. But uh, now, I mentioned that you were working on a mothball distillery. Can, can you talk about this? Or um... no, I can just say it's a, I can just say it's a mothball distillery, and and it's coming back to life. Uh, we certainly hope so. Good, good. Yeah. Um, so the... more news, more news soon, Marty. Well, we will, we will. You'll be the, you'll be the first to know. Yes. We'll put it like this, put it, when you do, it'll be the first item on the news, we'll put it through. But, uh, I'll tell right. you, I'll be great. D don't worry, Marty, I've just downloaded all the files from his computer just there now. I've got it, I've got it. I'm selling to the Russians. You know what, you know what, Justin, I don't think there's anything on my computer about that, but um, I hope not. No, no, it's not, it's not, it's not. I'm only waiting, I'm only waiting. That's all right. <laughs> I will just say, by the way, this is the Hinch Peter. So we did a show on Irish Peter whiskies a few weeks ago, Vic, and uh, I really like Peter whiskies. And the Hinch, the Hinch Peter is very good. It's very good. Um, very reasonably. I haven't tasted that yet. When I was over um, first time, I had a five and a ten, uh, and I think it's the five I've got sitting here. Five-year-old double wood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, well, I'll I'll make sure I taste the peated one the next time I'm over. Do that. It's 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 very good and really good value for money. It's only about thirty pound a bottle, which for the quality of it, it's fantastic. Yeah. The five wasn't blown away with the tens much better, much much better. But yeah, no, uh, I like um I like good whiskey, but I like good whisk cheap whiskey even better. Put it like this: there's a there's that as you said earlier on, there's that snobbery, um, mm. that. Only expensive whiskey is good, and that's just non absolute nonsense. Um, I think, for me, Black Bush is a it's a blend, but it's 
It's a very high malt content, 70% malt finished in a sherry cask for £25 a bottle. What's not right. like? How, how can, I, I can't see what any problem is with saying that. You know, if, if you look around, you can get some fantastic whiskies. I got a I got a 12-year-old Johnny Walker, black. It was Isla Origin, it was called, and it was 25 quid in Heathrow. 12-year-old, and it's a, a blended malt of Kalila and Lagavulin. Superb. Um, got some Tamdus there for £25. You know, you can, I don't know what it's like when, in the supermarkets with you guys over in Northern Ireland, but we can go into Asda, Tesco, and whatever, mm -hmm. and get some really good malts for 25 30 35 quids. Yeah. And then you can go up that level a little bit more. You, you might see I've got some, I've got quite a few Scotch Malt Whiskey Society bottles there. None of them are over £50. £50 for an 8, 9, 10-year-old single cask is fantastic yeah. value. So you can get very good whiskey at a reasonable price. Just need to just need to look out for it. Well, yeah, I mean, I know, I know that I, I say this will probably get pilloried by some people. Amazon sell whiskey, and in the UK they deliver it. And sometimes they do really, really good bargains. And... I know everybody, oh, you must buy a shop local. And, and yeah, but you try to. But when you have the chance of buying a, a 50, 70 pound whiskey with about 35% off, mm. you, can't, you, can't not, you can't look at gift horse in the mouth. And you, you can't really. So you can actually, you can do what I've done and set up on Amazon. It'll email you when they take the price down on whiskeys. You know, I'm not a, not a great advocate of that. I also buy whiskey in the local distilleries. I, I buy whiskey at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. I'll buy whiskey in independent whiskey shops. But you know, if I'm going to get um, going to get good value, yeah, it's just go and buy it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, yeah. I'm aware of time because we can't, this show goes so quick; it's unbelievable. Now, for you, what's the most important part? of the whiskey making process? Is it the, 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 the grain or is it the, the fermentation or the, the shape of the still or, you know, what, what do you see as being the most I, what's in your bottle? I'll answer that and say, yes. <laughs> I had a it's the grain, it's, it's the grain, it's the way you mill it, the way you malt it, the way you mill it, the way you mash it, the way you ferment it, the way you distill it, the cask you put it in. The, it's all gonna contribute to the flavour, but uh, for me personally, I think you need to get a, a cracking good new make spirit and consistent, yeah, and put in a really good cask. And uh, I think I'm of the opinion of over seventy percent of the flavour comes from the wood in Scotch whisky, mm -hmm. so that is vital. But if you put in a a, a dodgy new make spirit. You know, you're not going to get a good whiskey. So consistency in your distillery, on your new make spirit, good cask, uh, you you should get should get a good whiskey. Things uh, things shouldn't go too far wrong. Uh, the old saying uh, you can't make a silk purse from a sow's ear comes <laughs> comes there. You know, we, we'll that's uh, you know you've got to start with. Uh, I mean, I'm I, I'm a person that thinks you you don't get flavor from the water you don't get much difference in flavor from the barley but you need good water yeah you need good malting barley and a decent yeast 
good operators with good equipment to make a good new make spirit and then put it in good wood. Yeah. And you should get some cracking, I'm going to say it, scotch at the end of the day. You might upset our fans, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's. I noticed, I noticed um, somebody saying, yeah, yeah, that, a, a Scotsman on an Irish whiskey review, great. <laughs> but, you know, whiskey's whiskey, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. I think there's a, a, there's this awful sort of, I, I hate any sort of snobbery, really, if I'm totally honest. Yeah. And, and it's that, if you were saying there about the English whiskey, that, you know, that you go to the English distilleries, we had, the guy from uh, the English uh, Whiskey Society on there, they had their first English Whiskey Festival. Because there, there is new whiskey yeah. stories out there. I've tasted a couple of them, not very many to, to my shame. Uh, I haven't been massively impressed, but there's mm. there's more whiskey distilleries in England now. It's probably not dissimilar to the number that there is in Ireland. Uh, so well, then let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest, Marty. There's some dodgy Scotch and dodgy Irish out there as well. Absolutely, absolutely. But, so anybody can make good whiskey and some are making bad, but well, let, let's not be too snobbish about it. No, the one thing that always grates people from Scotland is whenever you tell, uh, oh, where do you get your barley? And most of it, most of it comes from south of the border. It comes from England. Well, I, I, used to, I used to help buy the barley for Diageo, hundreds of thousands of tonnes every year. And... Uh, this is a big secret. I don't know how many people are watching, but we try and keep this as a big secret. So don't tell anyone, will you? No. But um, some of the shh, some of the best barley that I used to use came from Norfolk ah. and Yorkshire. Great yeah. barley. Yeah. And uh, if you know, if you like your Lagavulins and your Kalila, <laughs> boatloads of barley coming round from England, not the Isla, and it's really good barley. Yeah. So. I, I can only say that, Marty, because um, cause my wife's English, so I've got a... Uh, you sort uh, of... Yeah, yeah, in the camp, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> I feel Justin's going to say something there. Justin's going to interject here at some point. <laughs> uh, no, no, I wasn't I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't going to say it. I better not say it. I don't want Facebook to ban us. He, he's the Nigel Farage of whiskey then, isn't he? You know? Well, me. <laughs> well, Nigel Flarge's wife, or, or uh, I think is maybe German. I could be wrong. Oh, yes, that's yes, that, yes. I get sorry, it now. sorry, sorry. That was that was just my little joke. I don't, I don't want Nigel Farage to come after me. So uh, we do apologise, yeah. but I think that's correct. I was, I was about to get offended there, Justin, <laughs> if you were comparing me to Nigel Farage. No, no, no. no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Listen, we're, we're getting... Uh, we, look, 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 there's uh, one of the ones you've uh, mentioned there tonight. Got lovely Glenn Moray, a podcast finish for £22 uh, last week. That's the sort of thing we like to hear. Uh, I mean, pe people think that be being interested in whiskies a bit like yachting and it costs a fortune, but it, it doesn't no. It doesn't really. Uh, Marty always sings the praises of uh, the likes of Little and Aldi stuff, but... There's some some great stuff there, yeah. uh, and interesting that um, Colin from Ballandalic there talking about Glen Murray. Um, Irish whiskey will be getting a lot better in the in going forward because you've now got one of the best Scottish distillers. You you poached him. You took the manager from Glen Murray, <laughs> uh, one of my old school pals, yes. Graham Cool, is now the manager at Dingle. He's Dingle. 
he released their, their. So you've got one of the one of the best Scottish distillers over in Southern Ireland now. Yeah. Um, so uh, hopefully Graham will start producing some excellent stuff there. If you have you ever been down to Dingle, down to the distillery, it's it's a beautiful little place. It's just sat, just the nicest little place, and uh, mm. the distillery. I mean, it, it, it's small, but what they make a lot of the, a lot of cracking stuff, and it's a, it's a real a real success story, and and good good on them, you know. And Graham, yeah, well, it'll obviously get better now because it's got a Scotsman in charge. Well, this is, I'll let you in on a little secret. I mentioned at the start about the uh, Belfast Whiskey Festival, and and mm-hmm. after Paula Kane who runs it, but Paula Kane speaks with a, a very distinct Scottish accent. Oh, good man. <laughs> He is a good man. He's a nice guy. He really is. So yeah. we'll try and get him on the show next week. So we'll good. No, uh, the course I run, um, the course I did was with the, the University of the Highlands and Islands. Um, mm. This is a correspondence course, and you still, you still are the lecturer in it, um, or course tutor. And mm. could you? Do you want to explain a little bit about that and what you do with the Edinburgh Whiskey uh, Academy? So if people yeah, so, so yeah, the UHI is a correspondence course, but they teach it very occasionally face-to-face. So I, I teach what you would have done online, Marty. I teach that. But I also teach at the Edinburgh Whiskey Academy, uh, and I teach the Diploma in Single Malt, which is a, a two-day course, mm-hmm. a very intensive course. Um but it's well worthwhile because it's it is the only whiskey course in Scotland that's accredited by the SQA, so the Scottish Quis- the Scottish Qualifications Authority, yeah. who you know do all the, the school and whatever uh, courses. So it's a very rigorously accredited course, uh, good quality. I, I would say that obviously because I'm the lecturer, but it gets audited every year. So that's a that's a two day course and it's held in a stately home near Edinburgh, a place called Arniston House, mm-hmm. and it's just a fantastic set. And you've got these this huge house and uh, roaring fires and big portraits on the wall and all that. And we do the teaching there, and you get a visit around Glen Kinchy um, as part of it because being Diageo, I used to work there now and again. I get to take people round, um, and, and Edinburgh Whiskey Academy is doing. Um, some other courses as well. Kirsty and Ian are doing a great job uh, doing that. Um, I, I also teach people doing their uh, industry standard qualifications like GCD and IBD. I can, but that's just freelance. So I, I love just. Well, you can hear me now. I, I, I could I can speak for hours about whiskey, yeah. and I really enjoy it. So I love the teaching and just passing on that knowledge. That I was fortunate enough to get with 23 years with Diageo and then six and a half years on my own. So I, I, I love just talking whiskey. And we could go on till midnight, guys, if you wanted to, but I realise you can't. We can't. So, um, no, I love, love just teaching and passing on, passing on my experience. Can you do that correspondence course as far away as Canada? Does it, does it work outside the UK and Ireland, does it? Yeah? Um, both of them do. I, I believe, uh, I'm not so sure about the UHI now, but Edinburgh Whiskey Academy, definitely. And they're just about to put the diploma online. You can do a, a certificate online at the moment. But if anyone's interested, they should ask Kirsty or Ian at the Academy about the online diploma. 
Um, I, I was down in Edinburgh recently for three days filming that. That was surreal. <laughs> it's the first time I used that sort of, what's it called? You know, when it comes up on the screen, teleprinter or whatever it is. Auto Q. Auto Q. Auto Q. That's the one. <laughs> teleprinter. So, um, it took me a wee while to get the hang of it. And I, so I was sitting for three days, you know, looking at the camera and teaching that whiskey course. So it should be online very soon, the diploma, and that's going to be worldwide. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. I will just say, when I done when I done the course from the University of the UHA, uh, I got sent out. I think it was is it 12, 12 miniatures, ten or twelve? Uh, I think it was eight at the time, Marty. Possibly eight, eight. miniatures, and a couple of Gordon McPhail glasses. Eight. eight miniatures so they were all connoisseurs choice Gordon mm. they were all you know decent aged whiskies really good, good whiskies and and when you're sitting doing homework and, and it's like and and my partner my partner at the time said are you drinking again tonight and i was like hold on i'm i'm, a, I'm educating myself here you know I'm studying <laughs> i'm studying you know don't interrupt me uh, it's a fabulous course and it was a mm. pleasure doing it and I, I, I'll never forget you. You emailed me at the end, and I, I you sent me out a couple of basically books on, on whiskey mm. and PDF, and I, I greatly appreciated it. I, I genuinely uh, welcome. And uh, yeah, so if you if anyone wants to do any of the courses, go on to uh, VC Services or the University of Islands and Islands, and the Edinburgh Whiskey Academy. Um, and see whether you can do them, whatever you can do, and check it out. And uh, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. That's the truth. So no, it's it's, it's good stuff. Um, I would say that because because I helped write a lot of the Edinburgh Whiskey Academy stuff, so it's it's obviously good material. But you know, the, the thing about the Whiskey Academy, it, it was written by people who worked in the industry, but are now independent. Yeah. And I think that's extra special and that they've had the experience, but now they're not pushing one brand or another. Yes. Uh, so so that's the kind of their one of their unique selling points. And it's SQA accredited, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I could talk to you for hours. I really could. Uh, I, <laughs> I could. Thank you very much for giving us your time. Um, hey, you're very welcome. Tonight. Um, Justin, Justin's normally telling me, right, it's time to cut before we get cut off. No, no, I'll, I'll tell you why. It's because some some uh, social media networks only like you to do an hour. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, so when you repost to Instagram, you, you've got an hour. Facebook, you can do eight hours. Uh, and I can tell you that uh, normally, you know, we drop and gain listeners. We, we haven't lost any listeners tonight. Uh, at all, we've just this just did it the same level, if gone up as you've talked, Vic. So uh, that's that. that <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's that can't be too bad, eh? That, that, that's that's not too bad. Lots of people saying it's a great show. Uh, lots of people interested in the course as far away as Prince Edward Island. There, I've put the details on screen for that Edinburgh Whiskey Academy course. There, uh, it's been fabulous having you. Uh, and listen, if you if you're over here. Uh, and uh, we we could we could do a socially distanced coffee in a park somewhere, just like you know the the Ma Macintosh, Macintosh man, you know Macintosh man. Uh, because, have you not got a, have you not got a hip flask? No, I, I probably do have a hip flask somewhere. I have, I, I'll, I'll take I'll take a hip flask over. Yeah, I have, I have, I have, 
Plus, uh, <laughs> people keep buying me them for Christmas. And I was thinking, I wonder if Marty's already got one of those. So I have about 10. I'll, uh, I'll throw some Irish in for you and see if I can get you converted. <laughs> uh, I'd, love, I'd love to try. Absolutely. All right. So we'll listen. We'll leave it there. I think that'll do us. Should we do one last reminder of the competition, Marty? Shall we? We shall. Um, special thanks to Vic for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, the competition is anybody within UK and Ireland uh, puts forward, comment, like and share at the bottom and we will see about getting them sent out a sample of River Rock from those guys uh, from Mark Geary and the other guys. So environmentally friendly stuff and trying to do the right thing. So that's the, the competition. All right. Good evening. Stay safe, everybody. Cheers, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.